Um, T Tim has been struggling with another case of pneumonia, and uh, and that's just tough and discouraging. Can't really do much for him until he gets healthier and stronger. It's hard to stay uh, wanting to eat when you're not feeling well. So there's just a it's like a a circular thing. So be please be praying for Tim. And uh, we had a lot of folks out throughout this past week with uh, different levels of coughs and colds. Sam uh, Pawkins at home uh, recovering from that. I'd say I'm mostly recovered. Um, but uh, we just need to ask for God's uh, blessing in that way. Um, and I just want to encourage you. Um, be, be praying for the Lord's church. Locally, um, obviously here in our community. Um, I don't have any details, but historic uh, Presbyterian Church, 10th Perez, has undergone some difficulties and um, two of their pastors resigned and it's not real clear what any of that's about, but that still means that church is undergoing great difficulties. And so it just reminds us of the challenges that are going on and uh, God's with God's people. Of course, we want to see sin confessed, um, but we also uh, want to be resistant to attacks of Satan. And so in both cases, we need to be upholding the church uh, with more prayer. Uh, again, ours, our community, and churches that we know of. It's, it's a challenge. All right, well, let's uh, begin with a word of prayer, and we'll continue our study on grief. Our God and our Father, we thank you, Lord, for your mercies. We thank you for your kindness. Lord, we ask that you would uh, be merciful to us, help us to be submissive to you, and to trust you in the, your providential hand. For Christ's sake we pray. Amen. Is it possible you tempted fate by picking this uh, topic? And <laughs> <laughs> by fate, I mean Yahweh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's interesting because, um, anyway, <laughs> I, do think, I do think about how God visits, how God uh, brings both mercy and grace, but also judgment, how that all functions. And in his judgment, he brings about restoration there's a whole host of of things in that way. It's it's funny, you know. We we talked about that in our sermons the last couple of weeks that I preached, and you know, again, I hadn't really planned out as clear a connection with the, you know, we we're starting Advent today, and so, um, you know, Advent to Pentecost, I preach on the gospel readings, and. Um, so it was just a natural shift. I hadn't really, although I'd read it ahead some time ago, I hadn't really made the connections, but there's a pretty clear connection with Mark 13 and, and God's judgment and at the same time mercy and grace. Um, so we're in the autumn of life. We're talking about John Flavel's book called Facing Grief, um, Counsel for Mourners. Um, just as a reminder for those who, who don't remember or need to be refreshed, John suffered uh, grief by the loss of children. Uh, he was a Puritan minister. He suffered the grief of losing um, 
three wives and then marrying a fourth. So um, what a, uh, if, if anyone can speak to having thought through grief up close and personal, I think John can, can certainly do that for us. Um, <clears throat> last week, well, let me just say this just as a reminder. I said this as a preface last week. I wanted to remind you of these, of, of these things, of his loss, because he comes across um, pretty directly. Um, these are, are largely from letters that he sent to grieving folks, um, uh, in particular, a great deal to one particular uh, grieving widow and mother. And uh, it seems kind of, of challenging because we live in a world of sentimentality um, where it's about how I feel about it rains the day instead of what does God's word say about it. And so sometimes um, his admonitions, and we're actually in the positive side, right? He gave us, remember a few weeks back, we talked about, I think, the seven ways that grief becomes sinful, and now he's, he's giving, there's, there's 20 responses of how then should we grieve, right? What's the right and biblical way? We covered three last week. We're starting with number four this week, and he calls it considerations of comfort and grief. And he says this, number four, has God smitten your darling and taken away the delight of your eyes with this stroke? Bear this stroke with patience and quiet submission, for how do you know but your trouble might have been greater um, for, from the life that it, it is now um, from the death if your children. And that's a little bit choppy old English, but the point that he's making is, first of all, um, God's providential hand is what's at work here, okay? So bear this stroke. And he, he keeps talking about this is the hand of God in the death of our loved ones, in the, the death of the people around us. And so we should bear it with patience and quiet submission. Um, and, and he points out that um, greater trouble can come from our loved one continuing to live. 2 Samuel 16, David says this to Abishai and all his servants. See how my son who came from my own body seeks my life. And so we know David's troubles, the difficulties in his life relating to his family. And so um, if the Lord had taken his son, uh, maybe he would not have had this issue um, and difficulty. And it's interesting, we also see in Genesis 26, 34, it says this, When Esau was 40 years old, he took as his wives Judith, the daughter of Berea the Hittite, and Basemoth, the daughter of Elon the Hittite, and they were a grief of mind to Isaac and Rebekah. And he's only using these scriptures to point out that sometimes our desires, our wishes, our care for the person and for them to continue on, um, we don't re realize what grace of God may be at play for us or for them, right? 
because he, he says this in, for number five, How know you but that by this stroke which you so lament God has taken them away from the evil to come? And we see in Isaiah 57.1, The righteous perish, and no man takes it to heart. Merciful men are taken away, while no one considers that the righteous is taken away from evil. He shall enter into peace. They shall rest in their beds, each one walking in his uprightness. What was that Isaiah? That's Isaiah 57, 1 and 2. And so, um, in, in this prophecy, Isaiah is speaking that when, when the good are taken, when the ones that we think, well, what, what reason were, were, there, were they struck down, that, that, you know, God says, while no one considers that the righteous is taken away from evil, right, um, it, it is, it's amazing for us to consider these things. Well, what God is doing, you know, we, we, want, we want to sometimes allow our grief to overwhelm our trust in the providential hand of God. And, and listen, I know for those of us who have suffered loss, these can be hard sayings. Um, but do we trust God or not? Do we believe in God's providential hand to work to his glory and for our benefit? Jeremiah 22.10 also says this, Weep not for the dead, nor bemoan him, Weep bitterly for him who goes away, for he shall return no more, nor see his native country. In this part, in this prophecy here, Jeremiah is saying, um, hey, at least the dead are with God Almighty. Right? There, there are those who are going to suffer hardship and be taken away in judgment and never return home. They're separated in that way. How much great angst is there for those who are taken away, never to be reunited to their family, and you don't know? At least if, they, if they're believing in Christ and they die, we know they're with God. But if we lose sight of someone, right? We lose that connection and we don't know what happened to them. What great angst that is. What difficulty that is. He goes on, number six, he says, A parting time must needs come, and why is it not this as good as another? His point here is, folks, don't be surprised by mortality. Right? Hebrews 9.27 says this, and as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this the judgment, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. Okay? Um, this, is, uh, this is fascinating because we, we lose sight of this. God's told us that we're mortal. Right? So are we trusting him? Are we saying that our judgment is greater than God's when God takes someone? 
that's pretty big hubris on our part. And listen, I mean, I got to tell you, you know, when I look at most of my closest losses, you know, most of them, you know, two in their, well, one in their 40s, late 40s, one in their mid-50s, my father in his middle 70s, but my brother at 39, um, can I figure that out? Seems like to me, in my finite mind, that certainly this could have, there could have been a better way for his children, but what hubris is that on my part? What pride is that on my part? Um, so it is better for us to trust God. Job 5.26 says, yes. Before you go to that, not, not to play devil's advocate, mm -hmm. but to play the mourner's advocate, I, I don't know that it's always uh, distrusting God's wisdom and somebody passing to wish it were not so, which I don't think you're saying, but uh, one, one example that could be construed as questioning God's will you know, um, is it uh, Mary who asks for Lazarus, her brother, back? Because she knows that the Lord is, is able. So she's saying, I don't like the fact that you let him die. And she knows that it's by the Lord's hand that that happens. And he grants her her wish, her brother comes back. Well, and, and to that point, to reference back to when we were talking about the seven ways that, that um, grief can become sinful... John Flavel makes this, this distinction. He says, if, if you're going to cry out, do it to God the Father. Call out to God. Talk to Him about it. But don't be going around stirring these things up with others. Right? Take, take your grief to God. Because the other side of that to that is, is yes, take it to God. But... Um, don't make it so that this becomes the point of your life, your status of grief. Um, in Job 5.26, it says this, You shall come to the grave at full age, as a sheaf of grain ripens in its season. And he, he writes a couple of paragraphs on this where he makes the point, We do not die before we are ripe before God. When God works in our life to bring about the death of ourselves or the death of our loved one, it wasn't out of turn. It wasn't before God determined that this person, this loved one, this person we care about was ripe and it was their time. Again, you know, it can seem at first glance that he, he's, he's driving that shame on you. But, but I think it's important for us to frame in how the hand of God works and, and, and his providential direction in our lives. Yes, sir? Basically, same question as last time. How, how do you deal with the fact that this is coming from Job's friend Eliphaz, who is reprimanding Job and saying, you deserve all this and God killed your kids. If you were righteous, this wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so it seems a little precarious to take uh, a snippet of something that he said that sounds very pious 
but ultimately is reproved and, and called demonic at the end by, by God? Um, well, uh, 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 several things that I would say there, and actually I anticipated you asking. Uh, we had some follow-up conversation last week in reference to Job and several, several things in there. Um, I, I, I think that, um, yeah, we, we can take a snippet um, that uh, their, their, their heart towards, towards Job is, is not right. Uh, but I, I think that the statement, and I think this is always the thing, right? A, a, even a, um, a good lie has elements of the truth in it. And we can be reminded. And God, and God uses um, unbelievers and sinners to speak his truth um, in it. So I understand what you're saying there. I think that's a valid point on, on the larger scale. Um, but but I would also encourage us to to say that this statement of a person dies in accordance to God's plan, um, I think that is that that fits the general narrative of God's providential hand in our lives, and I think I think that's what we want to be driving for. Um, and and remember, he 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 does talk about we're we're all the way we're three quarters of the way through this book, as small as it is. We're three quarters of the way through this book, um, and so we've covered a whole host of things, including that it is right to grieve. There, there's a process uh, to that. Um, but I, I want us to. We cannot operate whether it's because as we because remember the focus of the Sunday school class is to, to is to think not just about death and grief, but what does it mean to be. Um, growing older and by God's grace in growing older you have limitations um, Joe do you feel as spry as you did when you were 30 no um, I don't feel as spry as I did at 30 right um, and, and I think I think that the, the point is that that is God's natural way of, of causing us to say, okay, Lord, you've now limited me for us to trust in his providences more. That doesn't mean like when we get sick, we don't ask for God's blessing and healing. Of course we do, right? But at the same time, not becoming embittered towards God because now we have limitations, and I think we generally can all nod our heads and go, yeah, I can appreciate that, right? But then, as things ramp up, as our uh, hearts are more involved, the harder it is for us to accept God's providential hand in our life. Um, so I, I want us to um, resign ourselves to God's handiwork in our life, right? When, when we think of good things, the handiwork of God, how wonderful. When we think of hard things, we're like, I don't know. Now, I do think it's good, too, for us to think, okay, you know, have I sinned? Are there things to repent of? That should be a question you're asking every day. But then also remembering our status before God, and that is a sinner saved by grace.
him up for dead. God gives him back his life. Because he still has more work to do. And I think we should think of our lives as a work from our birth. Because from the moment that child's heart begins to beat, we're beating a past. We're beating a past. We don't know how long it is. God only knows. But this is the time of work. Paul wasn't finished yet. They raised him up. God took him up. They took him back in. And how they how they grieved over the fact that they were not to see his face anymore. But he had blessed them so much. And the world hated him so much. And yet, he knew that his work wasn't done. Um, don't preach my sermon too much yet. <laughs> I just read that this morning and I thought, oh, this is, this well, is so... The, the, the point of doing our work, not knowing... Um, the day, but staying steady in our work. Is, you'll, you'll see that in today's sermon. And so be, being tr trusting our God in the hardship, in the difficulty, you know, um, I, I know Doug is quoting somebody, but he makes the comment of how, you know, you know God's uh, victory is disguised in, this is my paraphrase, but disguised in defeat. And, and that's how it looks a lot. Um, but, but God is faithful and just and kind, and he's called us um, to be his servants uh, in the midst of <coughs> trials and in um, the goodness that he's provided for us. Yes? Could, could you explain this? Uh, you said, uh, I want us to resign ourselves <coughs> to the handiwork of God. Uh, Rather than me teasing out what I think the potential error of that could be, maybe you could clarify the. Well, I don't mean resign yourself to do nothing, mm -hmm. to have no response to it. Mm -hmm. What I mean is, is that draw comfort, um, enter his Sabbath rest, even in distress. That's one of the reasons as a pastor, I'm, you're going to hear me say, if your family is undergoing loss and difficulty, that is not the time to say, oh, we're, we're under too much. We need to stay at home and rest. We're not coming to church, right? I've known families to do that. Don't do that. When you're undergoing stress, worship God. Enter his Sabbath rest. How do we get to Sabbath rest? We come to Sabbath rest by confessing our sins, the Lord uh, uh, conforming us to Christ in our time of worship, right? The hearing and singing and, and reading of God's word being preached, coming to his table of peace. And we can truly enter into Sabbath rest. And so, um, and then go out and do the things that God has called us to do. Um, so I'm not speaking of inaction. I'm speaking of of trusting the Lord in the difficulty. Because uh, you know, one of the examples set for us is David, who is constantly saying, "Why are you doing?" He does not seem very resigned at all to the hardships that are coming. But he never he never crosses the line into saying, "How dare you?" You know, uh, and, and and but but similarly. I, I have seen examples of people who 
resign themselves <clears throat> to the handiwork of God to the point where if, if they were the Samaritan woman who in Christ, you know, she's she's asking for his blessing and he says, no, 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 that's that's for the, uh, the children, not the dogs. And they'd say, okay, and walk away. And she, she doesn't resign herself. She says, no, please. And I think sometimes God likes that fight, that struggle. That's why Israel, Jacob, his name is wrestled with God and won. There's a certain, so how does that relate to the resignation that you're talking about? Well, it, it's, I would say it this way. It's, it's submission to God, right? But clinging, right, to Christ all the more. Um, so it's, it's, it's in attitude of heart, which, which turns into action, if that makes sense. Right? Um, so it, it's easy to take um, the, the route of doing nothing. And, and again, like I said, I wasn't referring to resigning ourselves to nothing, but, but, but to truly trust God's providential hand um, in this. And when does the fight stop? When you're dead. That's what I think. We fight to the death. That's right. Because we fight to overcome. And that it doesn't matter. And our society has become a society of what you're worth. If you're not worth anything to this society, you're over. And when you get to 80, they've made the designation that you're over. After that, you're a, you live beyond your expiration date. And one president of ours said, give her the pill. So That's what it is. But I tell you no. what, my relatives fought till the day they died. And that's the way they live. I think you're doing here, here. a pretty good job of it yourself. <laughs> I wouldn't want to meet you in a dark alley. <laughs> no, no, but but you see, that's the lie. That's the lie of utility of Marxism, Absolutely. right? And so, well, well, it isn't about utility with human beings. It's people created in the image of the Almighty. It's why we don't kill children. It's why we don't uh, kill children that, that we might recognize might have some type of birth defect. We don't kill children, right? What for? For the convenience of utility? Um, I was reading something yesterday about, these were statistics about marriage, and uh, one of the things they were talking about was the uh, economic loss because women have children. And uh, it's a it's a total it's a total loss of understanding of the glories of God in life, in um, the cultivation of of children, and and the things that are truly eternal, which are people. Yes, ma'am. I mean, sometimes I think personalities are involved too. I mean. Like Isaac in the Bible seems to be a pretty passive person. We never really hear, hear about it. What? Because he changed, I think. What? Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. But whereas opposed to his son Jacob, who was a very feisty person. So, you know, I don't know how that might play into Well, and I'll call on you in just a second. <laughs> to, 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 to your point. So yes, God does gift people personality, 
differences. Um, and so for, for each type, for each person, there are, there are sins that are more common to, say, me than to you, right? To Joe than to you. So what are the, what's the calling for each of you? What does the word say for each of you? What, what does God's word speak to? There, there's obviously some things that are very consistent, but there are going to be certain things that one of you is going to be given more to than the other. And that's usually the place where we're most impatient with our spouse or sometimes with our kids. Although I find typically with my kids, I'm most impatient about the things that I struggle with. Hold on. I'm coming to you. Go ahead. Uh, well, I was just thinking back about, you know, sharing your feelings with God when you're upset or angry. And I think that that comes down to your healthy relationship with Jesus because he already knows what you're thinking. So if you express that and then have him help you work through it, then I think that's okay. And then on top of that, I pray that when it, when it comes time I start getting, you know, having a harder time of getting around, that I can be like uh, Retta, where she is just pouring prayers out, you know, to everyone in the church. And and the bottom line is people are watching. So no matter what your struggle is, no matter what your pain is or what you're going through or getting older is, is hard, people are still watching and seeing, even though you're, you can still be human, and still, you know, say, hey, I'm in pain, but then how do you give back the glory to God? So there's people that come to know the Lord because of that. Well, and, 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 and in agreement with you, I'd say this. Remember, in the, in the Psalms, right, Psalms are about, um, you know, how to rightly express your emotion. David expresses, you know, all the stuff that's bubbling up. And then he says, but you, O Lord, are constant. You're faithful. You're these things. And so he, he says these things. God's not saying don't have any emotion. But then... I'm also going to submit myself to to you. And and do I need to repent? Right? What what's my part in this? And there are many times where things are going on and one can say indirectly it's your sin because everyone's a sinner, but but sometimes there are things that are happening that are not about your sin in particular, although God's going to use it to help you mortify your sin, but it is about his glory. I mean, we saw that in the Gospels, with the blind man, right? Um, you know, God, God is at work, and His His plan is unfolding before us. Yes, ma'am. Yes, um, I, I think that uh, the uh, 
you know, I have the foresight of having read the rest of these along. And, you know, <laughs> what's happening here, praise God, is by natural order, you guys are hitting on a lot of the things that he's coming to um, and, and asking and interacting. And by the way, th this is what Ken and I, as your elders, we desire. You know, I know sometimes it comes out very luxury at times and other times that we want it, we want it to be relatively interactive with Sunday school um, so that so that we can kind of work through these things. Um, you know, the, the next point that he makes is call to mind in this day of trouble the covenant you have with God and what you solemnly promised to him in the day that you took him for your God. Where is that covenanted submission to his will? And uh, I have marked, he's got a prayer in here um, that I'm going to read with you um, just thinking about um, our approach to God. He says this, Lord Jesus, here am I, a poor guilty sinner, deeply laden with sin, fear and trouble upon one hand, and there is a just God, a severe law, and everlasting burnings on the other hand. But blessed be God, O oh blessed be God, for Jesus, the mediator who interposes between me and it, you are the only door of hope at which I can escape. Your blood is the only means of my pardon and salvation. You have said, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. You have promised that he comes to you, that he who comes to you shall in no wise be cast out. Blessed Jesus, your poor creature comes to you upon these encouragements. I come, oh, but it is with many staggerings with many doubts and fears of the issue, yet I am willing to come and to make a covenant with you this day. I take you this day to be my Lord and submit heartily to all your disposals, to do what you will with me or mine. Let me be rich or poor, anything or nothing in this world. I am willing as be as you would have me to be, and I do likewise give myself to you this day to be yours, all I am. All I have shall be yours, yours to serve you, and yours to be disposed of at your pleasure. You shall henceforth be my highest Lord, my chiefest good, and my last end. Wow, what a sinner's prayer, huh? And um, again, I think it's good for us to um, hear and consider these things. What, what was it when we came to Christ, when we declared ourselves uh, to Christ, uh, repented of our sins, um, did we not say that Christ is Lord and all that I am and all that I have is God's to use? I mean, it's always been that way, but have we not, um, you know, stated that in our side of the covenant? And of course, you know, in, in the point that he's making here, he doesn't leave it, uh, if, if you left it right here, it's kind of like a a hanging chad not quite complete but uh he goes on to say this but if your covenant with god will not quiet you in other words as far as it depends on you yet i think god's covenant with you might be presumed to do it right so in our own weaknesses where maybe we suddenly find ourselves challenged to the point 
where, where we're struggling in doubt, where we're struggling in trust of our Lord, remember that God's covenant with you might be presumed to do it. 2 Samuel 23, 5 says, Although my house is not so with God, yet he has made me an everlasting covenant, order it in all things and secure, for this is all my salvation and all my desires. Will he not make it increased? And so um, we're reminded how God operates. He is faithful to his covenant people. We can trust him. We can say, Lord, in this hardship, I am able um, to lean upon you and trust you in it. Any final questions or comments? It's been a really good class today. All right. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, we give you praise. We thank you, O Lord, for your great mercies. We thank you that you, Lord Jesus, are our mediator, that you are the one that we turn to for the forgiveness of sins. Lord Jesus, as we face hardship and difficulty, may we remember that we are yours, and all that you have given us, you have bestowed upon us for your glory. Help us, Lord, to submit ourselves to your providential hand in our daily lives. For Christ's sake we pray. Amen.